0: Love that opener! It just lightens us up, right? Some people of you, some of you who have like been raised in church, are like, "I don't think that's a Christian song." (laughs) Lighten up, all right? That's what this series is about. This is about lightening up because listen, this world brings so much weight on us. How much stress brings weight on you, and you're just like, "What? I'm not doing anything wrong. What's happening?" It's because the weight of the world is all around us, and whether we believe it or not, we bring it on ourselves, and we put it on our back and we are walking around like this. But God says, I came to give you freedom. And he wants to give you freedom and life in him so that we can walk lightened up, mature believers in Christ so that others will be attracted to the God of our hearts. Amen. So we're talking about pride and humility, man. We've talked about a lot of great things the last few weeks, um, and it's all, it's all on the screen for you. And this week we're talking about pride versus humility. Pride puts the weight back on us, but humility lightens things up. And so I want to read you something that is really interesting, um, and it was, a sti- sti- it was a statistic that psych- um, psychologists had... Um, had had found out, but between the years 1948 to 1954, 10,000 adolescents were con- considered themselves a very important person. And when you looked at 1948 to 1954, 12 percent of those 10,000 adolescents said that they were very important people. 12 percent. But then jump to 1989, and 12, excuse me, 77 percent of girls. And that 10,000 um, adolescents, ten, group of 10,000 adolescents said that they were self-important. And 80% of those boys said that they were self-important, that they were important people. And you might be thinking, oh, that's great. We're all, our esteem, our self-esteem is growing and we're getting more positive, have a more positive outlook in ourselves. But then I was thinking, okay, that was in 19, 1989. What do you think the statistic is today. What do you think it, somebody said something here, but I actually think that it's closer, it's higher than 80% and 77%. You know why? Because we have this thing called social media. And we have this thing called building platform online. Like you don't need a license to speak anywhere you you have your public platform and however many friends that you have right there at your fingertips and so I would just I would just gander to say that this statistic has increased and you know while you think it might be a good thing I just wonder about this text in second Timothy where it says this but mark this there will be terrible times in the last days people will be lovers of themselves Lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loves of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And I I just wonder if this idea of self-importance and as fame is becoming more famous, as fame is becoming something to become, as, as people try to esteem themselves to, I wonder if we're in the last days. How many people believe that we're in the last days? How many people believe that people are lovers of themselves? How many people in this room, everybody should raise two hands and two feet, are lovers of themselves? I, I'm telling you that when I started preparing this message, I go, Really? whew, this is going to be a rough one because I'm a millennial. I'm on like the top end, like I'm like the oldest millennial possible. And I'm like, millennials are totally prideful. (laughs) And so, okay, but we're no condemnation. Everybody calm down. (laughs) But it makes me wonder, like this idea of self-love and, you know, self-esteem. I just wonder if we don't really recognize um, the danger of that. Think about the concept of Satanism. When you think of Satanism, you think of people in, like, goth and, like, all this makeup, and they're, like, and they're walking around with metal everywhere, and they're, like, man, I'm never going to be a Satanist. But I want you to listen to um, this quote from a friend of the person who wrote this book, um, and he was a saint worshiper, and this is what he said about Satanism. Satanism is not the worship of the devil, as most people believe. Satanism is the worship of self, and the founder of Satanism, Anton LaVey, he says this, we don't worship Satan, we worship ourselves using the metaphorical representation of the qualities of Satan. Satan is the name used by Judeo-Christians for the force of individuality and pride, and pride within us. I believe today as I speak, I want to just give you this, submit to you this thought That pride is a conformity to the image of Satan, while humility is a conformity to the image of Christ. And as we talk about this, I want you to also come off of what this worship session gave us. It gave us hope. Okay, so don't allow this this idea of pride to totally burden you, because there's a flip side to this, and it's our opportunity to walk in humility and lighten up. But first, we have to be realistic about what pride is, and that's something I want to talk about today. First Peter five five through six says this: "Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace." To the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Then James 4 6 through 7 says this, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. God opposes the proud. Remember when all of us raised our hands? (laughs) It says in his word that God opposes the proud. But then he gives grace to the humble. So what are the consequences for all of us? Because all of us have pride in our lives. So I'm not preaching down on you. I'm just telling you, I'm preaching to the choir like you wouldn't believe, okay? Like you wouldn't believe. I still think, I still remember a time in college. My parents are here, sorry. (laughs) Mom and dad, they're in the third row. And you guys, in high school, I was such a brat. <laughs> I'm just going to be honest. And I remember I had this moment in college where I was like, man, I really put my mom and dad through a lot in high school. And then the Lord kind of spoke to me in a dream. And I saw myself writing at a desk, furiously writing. And I didn't know what I was writing at the moment, but it was like, it was like a cartoon where the papers were like flying off my my desk because I was writing so furiously. When I woke up, he said to me, write down what you just heard in that prayer. I was like, I don't know what it was. So I just sat down and I started writing and all I could remember was that emotion in my dream. And it was all just saying, oh my goodness, I was prideful. I put them through a lot. I mean, I thought I was a pretty good kid, but there was, like, little things here and there. You know, I was good. I was still a good girl. I was still, like, on um, student governments and basketball, you know, and doing all these things. But as good of a person as I was, as good of a person as I was in front of people, the people that were closest to me saw some of that pride. And I remember in college, I was like, I need to write Mom and Dad an apology note. And, Mom, you say that you still have it. (laughs) yes thank you for that and so I just really believe that some of us have to search our hearts because it is deceitfully wicked and just humble ourselves because God's kindness brings us to repentance and when we're able to repent and humble ourselves he gives grace to us and I believe that he's given grace to me and I don't walk in condemnation of that anymore I am no longer my high school self. Somebody say amen that they are not their high school selves. Woo! So anyways, what are the consequences of pride? I just want to give props. My parents are here. They're awesome. Um, We love them. They've been here for three weeks, and it's been awesome. I didn't have to fill my cupboards. My mom cooked every meal for me. My kitchen is clean. Okay, anyways. So what are the consequences of pride? I believe this, number one, pride positions us in opposition to the presence of God. I believe that pride positions us in opposition of the presence of God. And this thought is congruent with the thought that um, God opposes the proud. And it's congruent with the thought that God can't act outside of his nature. God is good. He's full of peace. He's joy. He's he's wonderful. He's full of peace. He, He gives us grace. He gives us power. He gives authority. And if that's the character of God... If there's pride present, he has to depart from it. So if there's pride that resides in our life, he has to depart from us. If there is more pride in us, then there's less room for God's grace to move in our lives. There's less of God in us when there's more pride in us. Pride puts us in bondage, but the presence of God, where the Spirit of the Lord is, right? There is freedom. So we need to recognize that pride positions us in opposition to the presence of God. Number two, the consequence of pride is this. It positions us in opposition to the purposes of God in our lives. God wants to do things through us, but if there's pride in our hearts, that's going to stop him. He, he sees the pride and he's like, ooh, I'm opposed to that. It's, it's not because he's saying, oh, you are prideful, I can't do anything through you. He's saying, my character can't go there. I can't do what I want to do. And it's like the, the back of magnets when they come together. It's like something is opposing him from that, and it's our pride. He wants to come into our lives, but it's just opposing him, the pride, because he can't be around things that aren't of his character. So I believe that when we're opposing God in that way, we aren't able to fulfill the created purpose that we have in our lives. It actually disrupts the vision that we have to do what he wants to do, and we're unable to see what God wants to do in and through us. When you hear that God opposes the proud, I think it can be heard that God wants to punish the people who are proud, but it's really God cannot work with that. And here's the thing. And Christians, this is for people who, be, who call themselves Christians and who are believers. But be aware of something called spiritualization of ambition. In this day and age where we have people um, who, gosh, we have everything at our fingertips now. With social media, honestly. And, um, and, and just, we have so much opportunity to aspire to be thing there's like so many people working from home nowadays and there's so much that we can do but beware of spiritualization of ambition with pride the posture of our heart removes God from the throne and relegates him to the supporting role of our life do you hear me when we have pride in our lives It removes God from the throne. We place ourselves there. And then this God that we serve and we love and we go to church and worship becomes this supporting role in our life. And he does what he can do to fulfill what our desires are. Beware of spiritual ambition. This pride sees not just our culture, but even our faith. Even our faith as a tool for self-fulfillment. Are you hearing me? Spiritual ambition can also look like, man, if I go to church all the time, and if I don't curse, and if I, and if I don't wear immodest clothing, and if I am serving all the time, then God will do this for me. And he's the supporting role, and then we become the throne we become the king or we become the person of our lives that we're trying you know to serve we're serving ourselves so beware of spiritualization of ambition we need to be attuned to what god wants to do and and what he wants to do through us so number 3 i'm going to get back to these i'm going to come around to these to help um, explain them more but it's gonna be on beyond the side of humility but the third consequence of pride is this. Pride positions us in opposition to the reality and truth of God. Think about this. Pride is not thinking too much of myself. Pride is thinking of myself far too much. It's thinking about myself all the time. When we become, when we become prideful and we're just thinking of ourselves all the time, we become more inward rather than outward, which we are called to be. We're called to be the church, the hands and feet of Christ, right? But if we're so prideful, if we're only becoming inward, then we're thinking too much of ourselves and we're unable to see the actual needs around us. So let's be careful to walk in humility because here's what can happen. The more I think about my life, the more I think about my well-being, the more I think about my growth, the more I think about my enlightenment, the more I think about my success, then the farther I step out of reality because I'm just walking in this world that centers around me. And how many people know the world is not centered on us? I love this idea of narcissism. Do you know where the, what narcissism comes from? It comes from this tale of... Narcissus narcissist and he became so fixated with his image in the water that he just stared at it and I don't know if it's because he looks so good I don't know if it's because he's like there's so many bad things in my face that I need to stare at and I need to obsess over it and pray and hope that it changes I don't know what it is either way it was self-focused right pride can look like oh my gosh, I'm so awesome, or pride can look like, oh my gosh, there's so many things I need to fix. Do you hear that? There's pride, there's self-focus. He became so fixated on his image in the water that he starved himself to death. He didn't talk to anyone anymore, he was just focused on himself. I wonder if any of us are doing that with our phones Hey, hold on. I, I made sure today that I only had one selfie with my dad and it wasn't by myself, okay? I made sure this morning. But everybody, all my other Insta stories were other people because you guys, I don't know that we're fixated in the reflection in a, in a pond. I wonder if we're so fixated in what we're projecting on social media and on our screens. Let's be careful Not to follow the example of narcissists. How many people are feeling kind of weighty, right? This whole idea of pride is kind of weighty. Well, remember, this series is about lightening up. Everybody say lighten up. Lighten Lighten up. Lighten up. Because I do want us to recognize how deep and how heavy and how weighty pride can be. But there's something called grace. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Amen? Are you thankful for that promise? It is a promise from the word of God. He will give grace to the humble. And we need God's grace. God's grace It's not just this thing that is like free. It's like, oh, yeah, grace, I'm forgiven. No, it's God's enabling grace to accomplish the purposes that we have and that He has for our lives. It's grace that gives us rest. It's grace that gives us like the ability to rest and not strive anymore. How many people are tired of striving in this world? In this this country, we are always striving. But God says, humble yourselves, and I will give you grace and breathe life into you and give you rest. That's what God wants to do in our hearts today. He will give us strength, and he will give our lives some ease. How many people want some ease? So how can we receive God's grace? Easy, humility. Not that easy, actually. (laughs) But it's it's a one-word answer, humility. And I believe that Philippians 2, 3 through 8 is going to give us the tools in order to walk in humility. And here's what it says, Philippians 2 through 8. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only in his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have a mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God, a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross and we already talked about that during the worship service god defeated death hell and the grave and that means he defeated pride so we are free to walk in humility and he will give us grace we're free to walk in humility so how do we pursue humility we're just going to go through verses three through eight number one consider others before yourself Verse 3, do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Consider others before yourself. Are you putting others before yourself? Are you putting others before yourself when you're making decisions day in and day out? Are um, Are you considering others more significant, other people's opinions in your work meetings? Are you waiting to listen first? A humble person listens really well. Are you willing to consider their thoughts first in those work meetings or on that co-ed team that you play and like the coach thinks you should do this? Are you listening first? I have no idea where that came from, <laughs> but you know, I, I love to <laughs> tell my, tell my kids this and they have, and, and if you ask them, I, I pray that they answer you, but you need to ask them, are you first, second, or third? Are you first, second, or third? And they say, I am third. I am third because who's first, God, who's second, others, and I am third. One of the mottos in our home is I am third. Let's be proud of it. And, you know, it really messes them up when kids at school are saying first is worst, second is best, third is the one with the money. you know, like it really messes them up, but we are going to say I am third. And I tell them third is the one with a treasure chest, jewels in heaven, get it? Okay. <laughs> My friends are laughing over here. Thanks, guys. But we got to examine our hearts. Jeremiah 17, 9 says that the heart is deceitfully wicked. We need to examine our hearts and pursue humility. Think of others before we think of ourselves. And here's this thing, guys. How many people have been hearing about self-care and self-love? I love it. Guys, I'm a big proponent of that. I go to the gym every day because I tell Caleb I'm a better wife and I'm a better mother for it. I'm relaxed, I I get anything out of me, like I just, yes, I just feel better about myself, self-care, self-love, yes, that's so good, but I've been hearing that a lot to the point of, what is that? What are you saying about self-care and self-love? Because here's the thing. I've been hearing people say, well, love your neighbors as yourself. You can't love others until you love yourself. And there's a truth to that, but I was looking into that scripture particularly, and the closer I read it, the more I was reading um, different um, Bible background, different, um, uh, what is the word? I can't think of it. Commentaries, different commentaries were saying this, and I quote, contrary to some contemporary interpretations, it is not a mandate for self-love. It doesn't say love your neighbors as yourself, but love yourself first. No, it says love your neighbors as yourself. So just love yourself and love others, but it doesn't mean you first. Because that's not considering others first. I think it's amazing to it, I think it's amazing that we're telling people to become better parents, telling people to become better spouses by loving yourself. To a certain degree, yes, love others as you love yourself, but not first. Not first, love yourself as well. But we need to be like John 15, 13 and consider no greater love than the one that will lay down one's life for their friends, for their kids, for their coworkers, for their spouse. Lay down your life. That's self-care. That's self-love. Because these people that are in your life are going to fill you up. So start loving on them. Start putting themself, them first. Consider them before you consider yourselves. Luke seventeen thirty three says, whoever tries to keep their life will lose it. Whoever's going to just maintain, the, I need to be cared for, I need to love for, you're going to lose your life. If you're going to keep it, if you're going to maintain it, if you're going to preserve it, if it's all about self-preservation, then I don't believe that we're considering others before ourselves. And here's what Dr. Julie Slattery said. <clears throat> Our problem is not that we love ourselves too little, but that we don't trust God's love to be sufficient. Do we trust God's love to be enough for us? Or do we have to say, no, 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 God, I need to love myself more. No, no, no. If we're going to love ourselves more, we're going to love the God who loves us enough. Here's the thing that happened with going to the gym every day. <laughs> I hope this is okay. I'm telling this story, babe. But, uh. January rolled around it was probably two straight years I was going no less than probably four days a week. I wasn't feeling good about myself, you know. And then Kayla's just like, um, I mean, I know you feel good about this, but I feel like there's some neglect in these areas. And I go, what? I am caring for myself. And he's like, I think it may have become an idol in your life. What? Here's the thing. I was like, I'm a better parent, I'm a better wife, but then my husband, the one closest to me, did not see that. (laughs) For a time, self-care and self-love will help you out, but it'll run out because it's not enough. God's love is enough. Consider others before yourself. Number two, commit to community. Verse 5, it says, let each of you look not only to his interests, but to the interests of of others. Have this mind among yourselves, among community, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Among one another. Among one another means that a community is involved in living a life of humility. You can't live a life of humility without community. It's impossible. Who speaks into your life regularly? I want you to think about that right now. Who speaks into your life regularly? regularly. Who keeps it 100 with you? Who keeps it real with you? Are you in a sisterhood group? Are you in a brotherhood group? Are you in a community group? Are you in a group? Are you serving anywhere? I I need to know this because I don't believe that we can walk in true humility without community. And here's a problem with social media. I'm really getting after social media even though I use it all the time. Okay. The thing about social media is that, let let me read this. The way we receive information, organize our world, curate our feeds, filter our preferences, mute or unfollow annoying people, how many mute and unfollow annoying people, that can create an illusion that we truly are the most important people in this world. Oh, that person said that about me? Block. That person's not about me, unfollow. I don't want to see any of your stuff. And then all of a sudden, everybody leaving comments on your page and on your photos are like, you're the best thing in this world. And it's created a distorted reality. What did I say earlier? Pride puts us in opposition to the truth and the reality of this world. When we commit to honest community, we not only commit commit to accountability friendship and strengthening but to reality humility can't be achieved outside of community how many people have had those friends who were like when they were single they're like oh my gosh I want you to know my future spouse and the person I date they got we got to be good friends and I, I just hope that you love them and make sure I'm not an idiot when I'm dating and then they find a boyfriend and it's like see ya what was that And then you're like, wait, what was that thing about, like, I don't like that guy you're dating and it's not good for you. And now you've isolated yourself. Have you ever seen that situation happen? It's because when we don't have community, no one's keeping it 100 with us anymore. And we're isolating ourselves. And it says to be among one another, to consider ourselves and consider the people who love us the most and their thoughts and their opinions. Consider that not over God's, but consider the wisdom of the community that God has placed around you as a blessing. They're full of grace. They want to give you grace. Humility can't be achieved outside of community. Humble yourselves. And here's the thing. Sometimes I know if I have three sisters and we are like nonstop Marco Poloing, texting, videoing like nonstop. And there's a time when if I'm feeling like I know what they're going to say about a thought I have or an action or a behavior I've had with my husband or my kids, I don't share it with them. <laughs> I don't want them to know that about me and then the Lord will just kind of, you know, prod my heart and be like, girls, I actually really need prayer for this. I need you like to help me control my anger. I was just so mad the other day. You know, pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. Be committed to the community that God has blessed you with. And finally, third and finally, how do we pursue humility? Avoid pursuing power and pursue rather anonymity. This is probably my favorite verse, probably because one of my favorite books is this book called Anonymous. And it's something that God just keeps on speaking to me every day and i probably in a world that's full of everyone creating platforms for themselves in a world where everything is about a reality tv show where everything is about themselves and god just keeps on reminding me probably because it's in my sin nature you know when i after i preach or after i share or after i'm on stage i feel holy spirit is saying don't get on social media for like maybe the next 12 to 24 hours because you're gonna be feeling yourself when people are like, today was lit, you know? (laughs) And in the church even, you're like, oh my gosh, did I do well? Did 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 I get their hearts? Like, whoa, 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 it has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with the Holy Spirit. So he says, get off social media. You don't need to be seeing what people are saying about you, good or bad, because here's the thing. When we're pursuing positional power, God's saying, I want to open the door for you. I want to promote you. I'm going to be promoting you. Stop striving and submit yourselves to leadership. And I've I've been reminded all in my life, and probably because it's my sin nature too, probably because I'm a millennial. I'll, I'll just be honest. Like, I believe that God deals with me on this, but he asks me all the time, who are you submitted to? Especially now that we're leaders of a church, it's like, who are you submitted to? And God is reminding me, you're submitted to your husband. You're submitted to the board of this church. You're submitted to some of your friendships. You're submitted to your parents. You're submitted to your sisters. If you find yourself pursuing and trying to bang down doors for yourself and trying to promote yourself all the time, even in the workplace, you guys, find yourself, find a place where you can be submitted to and that you can serve faithfully under. That'll combat this idea of pursuing positional power, because this is what it says. Even God, the God of the universe, when he came in human form, he did not consider this thing of being God as something to grasp for. He just rested in who he was as a human, and God promoted it, and God opened the doors for him. God gave him an avenue to die. Some of us are looking for God to give us an avenue to be seen. Here I am. I've made it. I'm on this platform. I'm awesome. But God is saying, I want to give you promotions. Yes, to yes, to declare my name. But it's going to cause, it's going to require of you to serve more. It's going to require of you to humble yourself. Humble yourselves and I'll give you grace and open doors for you. He wants to promote us. He wants to promote us. So who are you submitted to? Where are you serving? And pursue anonymity. Pursuing anonymity has everything to do with what it says here again, what Jesus did. He emptied himself. He wasn't full of himself. When you're full of yourself and when you're like, you very well know who you are and you're like presenting yourself and your head is high and you're like walking to a room and it's like, here I am, rather than who's, who's in the room. What did Jesus do? He emptied himself. He was less about himself. And when you empty yourself, sometimes that means you're nothing. Sometimes that means you're anonymous. Sometimes it means you'll never be seen. You guys, I'm not even going to tell you who it is because she doesn't even care. But she serves faithfully almost every week. She was behind that curtain during the worship service. Just praising God, jumping around, moving around, singing at the top of her lungs, behind that curtain, serves quietly week after week. She doesn't care if she's seen. And I'm like, man, I wanna be more like that. I wanna be more like that, where nobody sees me. Nobody sees me. It's not about the platform, it's not about being seen, it's not about being the priority, it's about considering others before ourselves and being anonymous. And so my question for you today, in a society that's telling you to promote yourself, do you possess the strength to be nothing? Do you possess the strength to be nothing? Because God poured himself out. Jesus poured himself out and became nothing. And he came to serve you. Do we possess the strength to be nothing? Alicia Chole says this. She's the author of a book called Anonymous. It says this This grace to be nothing, fast forward to that little part, but this grace to be nothing, this is a Jesus style strength that enables a generation to carry God's power with purity and equips the soul to be undeterred by rejection and uncontaminated by praise. Do you want to be the person? who walks lightly, whose step has a bounce to it because you are undeterred undeterred by rejection and uncontaminated by praise. You're so humble. You're confident only in what God has called you to do. Doesn't that seem like such a freeing life? That's the life that God wants for us. That's the life that God has for us. And I want you to remember that our purpose in this world is to worship Jesus And if you're trying to attain to fame, you know that it says now back in 2007, 51% of young people said that their goal in life was to be famous. Some people said in this study that I read about, they would rather be the assistant to Justin Bieber than the, the president of Harvard. That was in 2007. 51% of people wanted to be famous. Now, 2007, can you think 11 years later what young people want to be today? Are we raising up a generation like Heidi's talking about, a generation that cares about being nothing so that people will know who Jesus is? Are we pursuing being nothing? Are we pursuing humility? God gives grace to the humble. We don't want to conform to the image of Satan. I know that sounds really like big. We don't want to conform to his image. We want to conform to the image of Christ and make Jesus's name famous. But here's the thing, you guys. I'm not, again, I wrote this. Yeah, and I was like, oh yeah, I feel bad about some of these things. Yes, I'm a private person. Yes, I'm on Insta stories all the time. Yes, I'm on social media all the time. But listen, God gives grace to the humble. And if we can just recognize that he didn't bring you all the way here in life whether you've walked in pride or not he didn't bring you all the way here to listen to this message to say shame on you he brought you here and his kindness is leading us to repentance. And he's saying, I love you. I have things that I want you to do. I have things and people that I want you to influence, but it's because you're going to become nothing. You're going to become like Jesus. You're going to allow people to walk all over you with wisdom, guys. Come on. And, but we're also, we're going to be nothing. We're going to walk in humility and take on the image of Christ. Do we possess the strength to be nothing? That's true humility. Why don't we bow our heads in this place?